Uh, well, today is a day of many, many firsts. The first one being that during the intro segment, I'm not staring awkwardly into the camera while everyone else does the talking for me. Welcome back to the motorsports segment of the House Call Sports. I'm Ollie. He's a rather adventurous looking Joel today. And today we're going to look back at the not as exciting Spanish Grand Prix as I'd have hoped. Certainly not for the certain Fernando Alonso. But no. what was your thoughts on it, Joel? Uh, you know, it was a great race, I thought. It was a great race. I'm sad because of McLaren, but all being said, it was really fun to watch. Uh, do you want to go through the grid start and finish, or do you want to talk about some notable drivers? Uh, well, let's go through the grid first, so okay. just to, to give people a little heads up on where uh, how everyone did. So we have Max Verstappen, who qualified and finished on pole with a third Grand Slam victory of his career. Carlos Sainz qualified second, finished fifth. Lando Norris qualifying third and unfortunately finishing 17th. Lewis Hamilton qualifying fourth, finishing third. Lance Stroll qualifying fifth, finishing sixth. Esteban Ocon qualifying sixth, finishing eighth. Nico Hülkenberg qualifying seventh, finishing 15th. Fernando Alonso qualified eighth, finished seventh. Oscar Piastri qualified ninth, finished 13th. Pierre Gasly qualified 10th and finished 10th. Sergio Perez qualified 11th with an impressive drive to finish fourth. George Russell with an even more impressive drive, I might add, qualifying 12th and finishing 3rd. Zhou Guanyu qualifying 13th, finishing 9th. Nick DeVries qualified and finished in 14th. Yuki Tsunoda, his teammate, qualifying 15th, finished 12th. Valtteri Bottas qualified 16th, finished 19th. Kevin Magnussen qualified 17th, finished 18th. Alex Albon qualified 18th, finished 16th. Charles Leclerc qualified 19th and did as best as he could to come back and finish 11th. And then Logan Sargent with yet another back-of-the-grid performance in P20. And one thing I did notice about this race, remember when in Baku, when we were talking about having a race with, was it in Baku or Miami, with no yellow flags and no safety yeah. cars and no retirements? We Miami. had another one. today. We, not, not today, but on Sunday. We had another one there. And my camera is being weird. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, he does this. Ollie has disappeared into another ah! dimension. Oh, no, I'm in the void. The aliens have oh. taken him. <laughs> aliens confirmed. So, yeah, while Ollie figures that out, I'll explain uh, oh. why I have a tie on my face. Hey, there we go. Yeah, so Ollie's going to. The... <laughs> is it Whole FC? Yes, Yes, he's told me that yesterday, and I went and I googled whole FC, and I saw that they were black and white colors, and I said, I'll join you. So it's 8 a.m. here. I've literally just had my coffee. But he's going to, it's what, 4 p.m. there? It, it is now, yes. The game doesn't yeah. actually kick off until 8, but it's a, about a two and a half hour drive over to where the game is. So Yeah, so he's going to that, but I'm over here in Arizona in support, full support, <laughs> biggest fan. If you're planning on getting some F1 merch, we do have a link. It would help us out. Also, we're just getting started and growing here. So if you are watching this video, <laughs> comment, comment anything, um, because we just want to kind of like, you oh, know, get a sense of, of, of who we're talking to here. Uh, let us know what you want to hear more of, what you like, what you don't like. Because otherwise, it's just a couple of, you know, a couple of guys goofing off, which I'm happy to do. Let's talk about Aston Martin. So uh, okay. I, I kind of feel like uh, it's Alonzo Stroll kind of partnership. I don't, it's good to see, but I kind of also would like to see Alonzo push as hard as he could, regardless of what you know Lance is doing or what it would maybe like take away from from Lance. Do you feel that there's any kind of like a little bit too much of nicety going on between those two or between the team and Alonzo? Or do you feel he's really kind of like going as far as he can and he's He's backing off when it, there's no gain to himself and just kind of like playing the team game. Well, I never really had the... I've never felt the sense that Alonso was holding back in any like situation. Oh, okay. Especially when, like, not when he's trying to catch Red Bull and, you know, he wants... Like, he's had his eye on the, the victory so bad. He's had a P3, he's had a P2. He just sure. wants that one elusive P1 that's evaded him this season. When the car, arguably, in combination with Fernando, has been capable of winning races, but... So I, I, it don't make any sense why they they'd hold back just to make Lance like you know look better or whatever it is or what, whatever he's doing. But no, I, I I am enjoying to be fair the um the, the the partnership of Stroll and Alonso. The thing is, I'm pretty sure I've said this before. Lance Stroll's not a bad driver. No. I, I, 
the the issue is is that his dad owns the team and if you take all of that away and make it so because right now come on lauren stroll is not going to sack his son right he's not going to force his son out of the aston martin seat so right. if you take that level of pressure away from him he could actually start winning like that level of pressure sorry onto him he could actually start winning races, and I, I'd argue he could be a championship contender further on down the line if he has to actually fight for his seat. But the fact that he isn't, and he's still occasionally coming up with these, you know, really good performances, even back a few years ago when he put it on pole in Turkey, he has shown that he's a like a, a race-winning caliber driver. We just haven't seen it because he can sit back and go, "Well, my dad owns the team, so it's fine. I don't really have to do much." As much as he wants to help the team, I still think the majority of the workload lands on Fernando Alonso's hands. But it, it is really interesting to to see where this partnership will sort of take off into, especially with some of the rumors I've heard that we'll get onto in a minute. Yeah. So you feel that he he isn't reaching his full potential, you know, despite maybe wanting to, simply because he's kind of uh, got us, you know, he's nailed into that seat. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like a count. I don't. I don't know that I disagree. But a counterpoint to that would be him driving, you know, with the broken wrist. I feel like he didn't have to do that, um, and he kind of fought for that race anyway. Um, I don't know. I, I would love to see Lance do better and better. I do agree with you that Alonso has been carrying this team so far this season, and I also agree that uh, that Lance has a lot of potential in him. It's it's hard to say that he's a really great driver because he's in one of the best cars on the grid and he's kind of been struggling so far. But um, I, I do think that he's discounted more often than, than not. And so I'm not going to be one of those people. What is the rumor that you're talking always, about? Yeah. The rumor that I'm talking about, I've heard that, and I've seen as well that, that Charles Leclerc has started following the Aston Martin Instagram account. Now that normally doesn't lead to anything i don't want to be one of those people who speculates driver transfers just because of who they follow on instagram or whatever mm -hmm. but if like a lot of people are seeming to suggest that that means that charles leclerc while he, he he might be done with ferrari now because they've screwed him over for so long and on so many occasions last year's title fight as a prime example he, i don't even think he kept p2 in the end to, to sergio perez and look he like, he's a very, very good driver. He just doesn't have the team behind him to win. He does have the team behind him to win, just not consistently. I feel like he's more on the level of a surprise win at this point, which is what it's sad because it shouldn't be at that point. You know, like at the start of last year, when Charles Leclerc had won, I think, three of the opening five races, mm -hmm. if he'd won another one, you'd have gone, oh, yeah, now Charles Leclerc's won again, he's going to piss the championship. But now you'd be going, oh, mm -hmm. Charles won a race. You know? yeah. And it's just, it's sad that it's reached that point, to be honest. And I, I really don't like, I don't know just how thin Leclerc's patience is wearing with Ferrari, even with the change of leadership by appointing Frederick Vassar. He's they're just not going anywhere. And, and arguably at this point, Carlos Sainz is outperforming him in the Ferrari, despite Leclerc being the, the, the quote-unquote golden boy and the, the senior driver in the team but yeah that's you know, lately yeah you just wonder like is he going to give ferrari the patience and the the opportunity to give him a championship winning team not necessarily a championship winning car because i feel like he's had that for a few years now but but if they're going to give him the team and if not where could he go i do believe as well that aston martin is one of the prime landing spots for him should he choose to leave along with Mercedes when Lewis Hamilton retires. So play this through. Where does Alonso go? Ooh. Now we know Alon we know what Alonso's like. He's always really, am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Who knows? But when he moved to, to Aston Martin from Alpine, as mental of a move as it seemed back then, we all thought that it surely that's the last time in his career that he's rolled the dice. He's 42 now, I think, as well. So... Maybe I don't think he's got that long left in him, so I, I I don't know. It's a similar situation with Lando and McLaren. Like, where does he go when he realizes that he might not get a championship winning car? But yeah. I just think that if Alonso does either move on or retires, like moves on to a different team or completely retires from the sport, 
that could be a very promising destination for Charles Leclerc if Aston Martin can keep their performance up. And you I mentioned as that. well that sorry that um that Lance Stroll coming back to race with with broken wrists. If I, can you blame him? Like if he has spent the last like six years driving a back of the grid car. He comes back, sees the times that we're putting that we're putting in testing, <laughs> and seeing Alonso go right near the front and thinking, "Oh, yeah. with a, I'd race that with a broken fucking leg." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. A drastic fair enough. step in performance. You know, you'd, you'd yeah. be stupid not to. And I've seen a lot of people as well on on Twitter, especially, cry that that should have been Vettel's car. Mm. Imagine. I know, I know. Oh, I think I said that back. Yeah, that would have been just a sight to see. If Seb had that car, I think he'd have yeah. won a race by now at least. Alonzo and Seb. Yeah, I, I. you know, I don't see... I guess, you know, Alonzo is unpredictable, but I don't see him making the types of uh, comments or displays or anything that makes, him, makes it feel like he would move on. I think he's ready to stay with this team at least for the next year. I think at this point, if he weren't, we would start to kind of notice some things. But it seems like he's closer than ever with the Stroll family. And so I just don't think there's a there's a seat in that team next year, personally. No, well, Fernando's a very vocal person, isn't he? Like, we saw last year at Alpine, he did yeah. not get on that great with Esteban Ocon at the time. And he made his feelings right. very, very clear. I think in, uh, was it right. Spa? He said something like, oh, good help from our friend. And when he oh, was referring yeah. to Ocon. That's right. And <laughs> he was he clearly wasn't happy with his situation. And it felt no. like even before his his move was announced that he wasn't quite there. He wasn't really, you know, feeling it. And he mm. moved, to be fair. And this has probably teached me, like taught me, I don't know where my English is not on today. Um like he's probably it's taught me to never not trust Alonso again. Because what he saw in Aston Martin, everyone was like, uh, why have you done that? Like, what could you have possibly seen in a team that's just finished ninth in the Constructors' Championship? But he saw something, and look at him now. He's second, is he not? No, he's third. Is he, is he even, like, third in the Championship? I don't fucking know. I'm not on it today. That sounds about <laughs> where you would sit. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but... Yeah, no, he's had right. more podiums than hot meals so far this season, and, <laughs> you know, he... He clearly saw something, and so he's a very, obviously very experienced. He's the most experienced driver in Formula 1 history. Mm -hmm. So you trust what he says. And yeah. when he yeah. is not happy with a team, we saw at McLaren when he was there and when he didn't have a good car, he was absolutely fuming. He made sure his engineers know, if you put a rocket ship on the car, we'll still be 11th. It's one of them. Yeah. So he, he's and, he's very vocal and he will let you know if he's not happy and he will say if he wants out of a team, which he did at Alpine and which he probably will yeah. at Aston Martin, but it doesn't look like it's going that way at all so far. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, there's something to be said to, you know, like 10, 10 years of maturing, but you're right, like last year, he, he was um, a little bit more vocal about wanting to move on. Okay, so... Uh, what do you want to talk about next, Mercedes or McLaren? I kind of want to avoid McLaren. We'll talk about that. I'm going to put off that pain. <laughs> so Mercedes brought some upgrades, and boy, did they have a good showing at this race. It did. Um, um, it Red was... Bull, at least with Max, is like still, you know, still out there. Uh, but yeah, they they looked a lot, a lot better. Yeah, I wrote this down as well. It's Mercedes looked obviously a lot quicker than their older self. Mm -hmm. Then the W14 of old and the W13, it looked astronomically quicker than that car. Mm -hmm. But they've just not bridged a gap at all to, to Red Bull. And now I don't know whether that's to say if Mercedes' upgrades were insufficient, whether they didn't do a good enough job on introducing them to the car, or whether Red Bull are just that quick and that good that no matter what upgrades any other team could bring to the table, they'll mm -hmm. still be five, six, seven, ten to lap ahead of everyone which I'm mm -hmm. leaning towards the latter because we've just seen how good and how dominant Red Bull have been this season. And at this point, yeah, Aston Martin could even update the car tenfold and it doesn't look like they'd catch them, although in the wheels of Fernando, in the hands of Fernando Alonso, I should say, you never really know what has, um, sure. what was going on. But what I mentioned as well here is that it was the first double podium for Mercedes since Brazil in 2022 
And that hasn't actually been that much time. And we saw with Mercedes last year, especially, they had good results, but they were always track specific. So they'd go to one track and they'd get a double sure. podium or whatever. And then they'd go to another track and they'd finish 10th and 11th, they say. So mm. it hasn't been a lot of time since Brazil 2022, like seven or eight months, I think. Mm-hmm. So could this just be another track specific result? Because they brought the upgrades actually in Monaco and they were still fighting for the lower end of the points. George Russell, I think, was maybe fighting for fifth or something. But they never looked like they were fighting for a podium. So it could very much be track specific, but I don't know. We need to let it play out for a few more races, maybe in Canada and, and Austria, things like that. So we, I don't, I don't want to judge just how good the upgrades are just yet, because we've only had one race where you can properly determine like the effect that they've had on the car. So I think we should just let it play out and just let it see in different circuits, different like specs and all that, just how good it actually is. Yeah, and I, you know, this track seemed to shake a lot of things up. I don't know if it was tire temperatures or or what it was, but a lot of uh, drivers and teams that are normally up towards the top are not. And um, so I, I don't know how much this single race can be judged to determine Mercedes going forward. Uh, obviously, they brought big upgrades, so maybe it is a sign of that. But I'm completely withholding opinion on whether Mercedes is now, you know, podium contenders every race we'll see we'll see uh george had an amazing race though what did he yeah. start 12 it, it or was something? 12th yeah. yeah just an absolutely amazing race he, he just looked like he drove like a man possessed yeah uh yeah he was just on it yeah and he he's got a tendency of that around spain to be honest that he just loves racing there and we saw it last year as well with the less competent mercedes he held max off for a good few laps okay max had drs issues but, but you know it's it's still like a, a very good showing from from george and he held off sergio perez as well the last podium place yeah yeah at first you know i had to go back because he went off the track into that escape road like right what is that mm-hmm. turn one or turn two and i <laughs> when i saw he was like you know he jumped up a few places i was like did he gain like five places in that first turn and nobody noticed <laughs> but he didn't it was fair you know the escape the escape routes are are naturally punishing um but yeah, uh, not so naturally punishing for uh, Joe. I mean, that Yuki and Joe incident. I think I don't. I don't know. Maybe maybe after digesting a little bit, it kind of it, it five seconds isn't necessarily as harsh. But because of what it like got him um, in terms of like knocking him from ninth to twelfth finish, that's just so devastating. And I kind of feel, you know, I don't think Joe would have gone for it if there wasn't that like room outside of the the track lines. Um, And I, you know, they showed a slow-mo of when it happened and both drivers are trying to avoid each other. Nobody was trying to shove anybody off anywhere. So it just seemed like kind of an, just a, I don't know. It seemed like a racing incident to me. It seemed like a natural penalty for a move that Joe maybe shouldn't have gone for in the first place. And how devastating for Yuki, right? Oh, yeah, but I think it just comes down to the FIA and their consistency because you've seen them give penalties for incidents like this all the time. And if they don't give a penalty for something like this, then they could be accused once again of playing favourites. And it's just upholding that level of consistency with all drivers and saying, right, well, you did something, okay, so you're going to get the penalty. But if you do the exact same thing, we can't just not give you a penalty for them because then the other driver will go, oh, hang on a minute, why have I got a penalty and why he hasn't? Yeah. So you just know, trying to play fair, I think, with everyone. I I think it would take some drastic overhaul, but I, and so maybe it's not worth talking about. But I just feel that natural penalties are the way to go. Like if we could trend away from the bureaucracy and, and the you know like uh, the the power structures of the FIA and all these like little penalties for everything, I just feel like it's really dragging the sport down. When you see something on track. But you don't know what the result is just by watching the cars. You have to wait until some unknown face in some office somewhere <laughs> decides what the result is. And it's like that's that's it sucks when that's where the actual event is happening in some back offices that you're not really privy to. I think that if we could put just put like hard gravel on the sides of, you know, all kinds of so that if like 
you know, if you go off the track, natural penalty. There's no track limits, just natural penalty. And, and the more ways that we can build infrastructure around the tracks or the cars or the sport in general, such that whatever you've done wrong, you automatically on track experience the penalty for it. I think that would be the way to go. What, do you have an opinion on that? I haven't really talked to you about that before. I think they tried to do something like that with just putting the little arrow markers, you know, when you normally go off. Say, a very good example is Monza Turn 1. When you cut the chicane, there's the little tire barriers that tell you to swerve in between them anyway. Right, yeah. So, Perfect, and yeah. normally, so that's normally a very easy way to tell if someone deserves a penalty because if one of them has been knocked over or something, then they haven't taken the proper procedure to re-enter the track. Okay. Therefore, you can easily give them a penalty. But we're talking about shakeups in the FIA. Now, in Monaco, we didn't cover this. Sebastian Vettel was in the paddock and he had a meeting with F1 CEO Stefano Domenicali, who actually offered him a role as the head of sustainability within Formula One. Oh, now, wow. I have been calling for Sebastian Vettel to get a role within the FIA or Formula One for years. He's always acted as like a mini race director from the wheel, like, especially in in Spa in qualifying in 2021 when Lando Norris had that big accident. He was saying before, we should red flag it, it's too much water. And then he crashes and he goes, oh yeah, Why, what did you hear what I said? It's a red flag. I'd love to see Sebastian Vettel as a race director one day, you know, which is what I think they should do. Stop just hiring random people from motorsport governing bodies. Hire actual drivers because they know what it's like to be out there on track in those conditions or whatever. And they'll know when either a safety car or a red flag is needed, which we've had a lot of problems with as of late. So that's, I think, the direction yeah. they should take with it. Will they? Probably not. Because, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it is broke. Like I think it is broke. Out. Yeah. Is there any word on whether he's going to take that uh, sustainability officer role? He said he'd consider it, but he left Monaco on the Saturday. So no one's really no, no one's really heard of him. He said he was just spending time with his family Yeah. on a camping trip of sorts in Switzerland. I don't know. So he went wow. back. He had, he did go back pretty quickly, but he he was there. His father stayed there. To be fair, quite a quite a while after he left. So I don't know. I'm I'm awaiting words to see what happens, but I really hope something does at least. Yeah, that'd be a nice role at least for him to start in. I mean, that was he was so passionate about that, riding his bike versus helicoptering in yeah. when he was under. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would like to see that. I mean, that's the classic debate about like hiring from within versus hiring the outside CEO or the outside management. Um, yeah, you, you maintain a lot more of the like culture that makes the place great when you hire from within, I think. Uh, let's see. All right, fine. McLaren, fine. So all of us McLaren fans were so juiced uh, because of the qualifying session although maybe we maybe i ought, ought to have known better i think lando ended up saying something even before the race like don't expect anything i'm gonna be lapped like three times <laughs> <laughs> typical lando stuff that always joking around in interviews yeah yeah so i don't know but i was really excited because i was like starting p3 like even if things go wrong he'll still end up at the points right <laughs> very first lap <laughs> the wing had to be replaced which you know that was that was his fault. Uh, I won't bag on him too hard for it because I know nerves were high. That's the highest he's been in a long time, and so it's whatever. But still, super disappointing. That being said, Piastri, you know the the car and the performance of the, the car, or whatever aside, Piastri had a really neat race. Uh, he had no problems, no issues, just navigated his way through, and no, you know. I just think he's continuing to show himself as like a really well-poised rookie driver to have, you know, continued continued success and potential going forward. Yeah, well, he's definitely showing um, why it was a good idea for McLaren to put that level of faith in him yeah. in summer of last year when the contract was signed. But yeah. I, I've heard as well, if you put him in a Red Bull, God, imagine. Mm. But now, there was always a sense from within at McLaren that they were never going to be able to uphold the results they got in qualifying. And most of that actually came down to, to conditions, even with Lando's incident on lap one. He, he said in the interview with, with F1 TV, he was just planning to hang on for dear life. Um, <laughs> that was what he actually said. And the car, both of the drivers said, especially Oscar Piastri in an interview I was watching, he mm -hmm. said that the car is a lot better suited to like the, the cold, you know, overcast, cloudy, almost mm -hmm. raining conditions where the track temperature yeah. is around 
you know, 10 to 15 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Um, but then when it transitions to much warmer, sun's out, you know, track temperatures mm-hmm. about 45, 50 degrees, then it becomes a real issue for the car. And that's what they're trying to fix. And they are. Speaking of fixing problems internally at McLaren, hold out hope is all I'm going to say for us McLaren fans. There are good times coming. They have appointed the Rob Marshall from Red Bull as to be their technical director from next year. And the official statement from that signing claims that they will be there to assess and establish the highest technical standards required to design winning F1 cars. And as a fan of a team, you love to see intent like that. You know, it, it tells you that Zach Brown and Andrea Stella have identified the problems within McLaren. They've already released James Key, the old technical director. He's mm-hmm. gone to Sauber to link up with Andreas uh, Seidel. But you, you just love that, don't you? It shows a massive statement. It shows that they know what they're doing and that they're working tirelessly to get it done. And they're bringing in a very big name from within the, the technical region of Formula One with, with Rob Marshall coming in. He has overshadowed so many championship winning cars with, with Red Bull. I say so many. Um, he's, he's been the, one of the key factors behind Adrian Newey of the design and the, the, the concepts of those cars. So... For McLaren fans, it is very good. And if they can maintain this driver lineup until the point where they have a competitive car, oh, I'm scared for the rest of the grid, honestly. Wow. Wow. Yeah, well, it's certainly a bad thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I think it's it can't be understated the impact that um, some key you know human beings can have in a team. Good leadership. It just makes everybody perform better. And, you know, decisions can be made. To, to you know further a, a purposeful goal instead of just you know like just scattered kind of everybody's working but we're not really focused towards a goal so yeah i i'm hopeful i think that uh i think i think i must remain optimistic but right now <laughs> right it's now, hard but that just was hard. Yeah. i i piss optimism and this is this is going somewhere. <laughs> can i ask though so the difference between track conditions qualifying versus race what um what what can you change between qualifying and race because i know a lot of things are set at yeah that so park fermi regulations dictate that the majority the vast majority of your car has to be fixed from your qualifying setup the only things you're allowed to change from memory are front wing angle fuel load and tire pressures that's the okay. only thing I can. That's the only thing I can remember you being allowed to change. Must be brake brake balances or something. You can change you the brake bias in the cars. Yeah, that's mainly. Mm-hmm. A, that's not really a setup thing. That's more sure. like with the drivers, like the change sure. mid race. If they're locking up too much, then they'll dial it back a few clicks. But from memory, they're the only things you can you can really change. And I don't know. I think that might just be to prevent people from going oh yeah well we we ran this setup in qualifying but actually we found something that could be a lot better in the race especially with changing conditions like which might have hinted as to why mclaren struggled so much because they set up a key moment i can and i can remember from this being the case is is nico hulkenberg in his rookie season in formula one with williams he put it on pole in brazil specifically because he set up for the the wet conditions and then he had to carry that wet setup through to the race and drop down so many places. Sure. So that's why they do it because they just want to regulate. Okay, you're going to set up for one condition on the Saturday for qualifying to put you on pole, and then you're set up for a completely different maybe condition on the Sunday to make sure you keep it. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know. I mean, I w- I guess I wouldn't mind just having it be open to set up for whatever the conditions of the day is. I guess I don't really see the point in that other than if it costs a lot of money, if people are switching out like major components of the car, is that a way to maintain competitiveness amongst the grid or something? It's just kind of, kind of weird, you know, like whatever you have to have set up for qualifying, you have to have set up for the race. But anyway, so, so, so was that like purposeful by McLaren? Do you think that they like over, uh, optimized for qualifying and knowing so. that it would be garbage for the race? Yeah, no, I think so because they've always known that that's what the, um, the the car was better at in the conditions and they've said as well that this year especially it's been an amazing car over one lap but it's been a terrible race car. They still don't know what the, the, the problem is with that but that's something that they've grown to accept over the course of the season so far. So you'd think that 
they do try and optimize the results in qualifying simply because that's where they're better if they tone it down for qualifying and then amp it up for the race what's the point because Just you're not as good out. exactly yeah. so you might as well you know show that you can do something at least in qualifying put it on a respectable p3 for lando and p9 for, for piastri yeah. and show okay we're here to play in qualifying at least you know because that's where we're better at and we've identified that that's our biggest strength so we might as well go all out on it yeah that's kind of revealing i mean it really shows how they're limping by on a crutch you know and they have to go all in for qualifying and then just try to hang on to it for the race it's not what you want to see but it's where we are now with them um i'm still maintaining my optimistic standpoint that at least in 2025 i think then they'll have a car at the front of the grid and this is what's going to make all the pain worth it <laughs> It's gonna yeah, be so good. We're gonna we're gonna go back to like the the twenty ten like the twenty tens where oh. yeah Red Bull were dominant, but McLaren were right up there with them, and that fight would be insane. That would be nice. That would be really nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Max had a hell of a race, <laughs> and he even took fastest lap at the you know at the eye rolling of his team <laughs> because at the severe eye rolling as well. Yeah, because he was at was not happy. Right, was it two or three track limit warning? He'd already gotten the black and white flag, right? So yeah, that means that, three. So yeah. you get three warnings, then the black and white flag waves. Don't do it again, otherwise you'll get a penalty. And to he be could honest, have absorbed that yeah, penalty. Exactly. Even <laughs> if he didn't get the penalty, he still would have finished at least like thirteen seconds ahead of, of yeah. uh, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, which I think is what he's thinking. But I mean, if he pushes it really hard and for whatever reason, I mean, Max isn't known for this, but pushing it really hard and then spinning out Leclerc style, uh, that would have been I bad. How do you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> and, but yeah. you know, to be a Red Bull mechanic and an engineer on the pit wall at that point in the race, you must have been just holding your breath, you know, because you know what Max yeah. is like at that point. You know that he won't really listen to what you have to say. Right. He'll just do what he wants. And right. it's grown, I think, to a sense of that, like, not not quite entitlement, but you, you can sense that there's like Red Bull are getting a little bit peed off with it. And there was this thinking like, oh, you little fucker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's it's kind of interesting. I think that um, when Red Bull had some ground to catch up to Mercedes and they were just on this like, you know, firefield fight, uh, there was a lot of harmony between Max's version of his, you know, competitiveness, like his type of brand of competitiveness and Chris Horner's and the rest of the teams, you know, like, uh pursuit of of the title now it feels like uh not that red bull has slowed down or anything but it just feels like horner is a little bit more comfortable and um and not wanting to push to the absolute bleeding limits and find every tiny little thing he just wants to you know keep bagging those wins whereas max i you know it's kind of interesting i'm starting to like him more and more like he needs to be first above everything no yeah. matter what even that one last point that you know is not going to make a difference at the end of the season he needs to do it and that's it's maybe some people will call it toxic or something but like it's kind of interesting to watch like how competitive that man is and it just is becoming so clear that he deserves you know he deserves the the accolades that he's earning here and it makes it clear how he got to where he is it's really crazy how he just needs to sweep everything off the table into his chip pile. <laughs> it's a massive headache for the team because on one hand, you, you've got a driver who will stop at nothing to absolutely dominate. And, you know, he, he, like, he's not going to listen to anyone. He's just going to do what he wants, what he knows yeah. like best, and yeah. that is to win races. But at, on the opposite end of that spectrum, you know, he could push too hard, end up spinning. Of course, he hasn't yet, but anything can happen in Formula 1. And then it could end up costing the team a lot of money. Yeah. and a potential like maximum points out of the weekend so you want obviously you want that sort of competitive the fire that you know that keeps all of the drivers basically in formula one because if you don't have that then you get nowhere so everyone should have that at least even if you're in a bad car you at least gotta have the desire to to improve and you know just to be the best driver you can possibly be but if you take that too far and end up again costing the team a lot of money by crashing that's when they should draw the line and say, right, look, we get it. You want to win. You're going to win anyway. Just do what we say. Back off a little bit. You'll still finish, say, 15 seconds ahead of the next car behind you. So just, just calm down. We don't want to be paying anything out unnecessarily. We don't want to drop up points unnecessarily. So just, just, just calm it down a little bit. And I've heard that there has actually 
been a meeting about this with uh, Dr. Marco and, and Max because this isn't the first time he's blatantly ignored team mm. orders no, when not. he refused to let Checo through in Brazil and yeah. practically had the entire storm of F1 Twitter that didn't have yeah. MV1 in their Twitter bios absolutely blasting him and with good reason as well because if that was literally anybody else on the grid there would have been an absolute uproar yeah even bigger than the one with max but because he's winning it's fine apparently yeah well i mean i don't know he did get a an an uproar against him and rightly so i just think it's kind of interesting like it's just it's it's different he's not playing it for the team he's not even honestly playing it for the points of the way he's he's like I don't know. Have you seen the video where uh, there's a video that's like 10 minutes of uh, Max Verstappen just trauma dumping? Have <laughs> you seen stuff like that? <laughs> he has such a harsh upbringing with his father. He He's not doing it for anything other than like internally, like not to psychoanalyze the poor guy, but like he fucking has to. There's no like strategy about this. There's no, it's just like flat fucking out. Or somewhere deep inside me, my inner child feels like I will be beat the fuck up. Like, that's what I get from his competitive <laughs> level. And I, you know, like, it's sad that that, that that was his upbringing. It's cool that it produced such a champion. I think, I guess what I'm getting at is um, I want him to not be discarded once once his brand of competitiveness is no longer useful to the team because to say okay yeah we're gonna tap into like literally like we're gonna tap into your trauma <laughs> of like needing to be first bring us to glory and then like once they've achieved the glory and they're just like you know patting themselves on the back and he's just like no i gotta i gotta still win every single fucking point and they're like no we're good we're good and he's like there is no good about this like there's no calm there's <laughs> never been any calm like it just feels like there's a divergence at this point in the team where they're both still interested in winning but max is interested in winning at all costs every point no matter what and i feel like um it's kind of I feel like we're getting a little bit of a um, of a foreshadowing for what it might be like when Max starts to drop off. I mean, he will eventually age and not be at the top of the grid, even if that's 10 years from now. I don't think it's going to go well for him. I don't think he's going to be, you know, every kid's idol around that time. I think he's going to have a really hard time with that. Well, he's already hinted that he may walk away from Formula One at the end of his current deal, which expires in 2028. That's right. But yeah. All of this, like Max, you know, ignoring the team and stuff, it makes me think what would have happened if this was Checo. And I'd tell you, he would be <laughs> out of Red Bull quicker than he you would. can say AlphaTauri. By summer break. <laughs> he would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> out the door, see ya, don't come back. We're not even putting you in the junior team. We're not having that. So yeah. it, do it does go to show just how highly they hold Max. But you're right. What happens when a new, younger, arguably better driver comes through? and proves to be even more dominant. I know that mm -hmm. Helmut Marko and Christian Horner both had their eyes on uh, Pepe Marti from Formula 3. They want to mm -hmm. get him signed up to the academy and, and get him in a, a race seat as soon as possible. So it, it does, it's for definitely food for thought over what happens yeah. when Max is no longer the, you know, the young, hungry, race-winning, like, prodigy that he is now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll always be hungry. It's just your abilities drop off. So I just kind of foresee a little bit of bitterness and not maybe very media-friendly Max in five years or so. But, you know, I'm I'm learning the complexities to him. The more I witness him, he's, I think, I think to most people, like, he's immediately not necessarily overly likable. But then the more I learn about him, it's not that I'm becoming a fan of his necessarily in the same way that I would say I'm a fan of other drivers, but like he is a supremely interesting individual just to observe. And his his level of competitiveness, competitiveness, I just think comes from a completely different place. And it's really fascinating. And I think the motorsports community is just kind of like um, lucky to have somebody so intense, you know, to see in the, in the prime time. Yeah, anyway, that was, I guess that was kind of like... 10 minutes of overthinking Max Verstappen. But... <laughs> well, I do actually look like forward to seeing what does he do 
when he leaves Formula One because Formula One is the pinnacle of motorsport. Does he try and win the Indy 500 like Formula right. One drivers have attempted to do in the past? A la Le Fernando Le Alonso. Oh, Le Mans. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Again, something notorious for Formula One. I think there are like 10 ex-Formula One drivers doing Le Mans tomorrow. Oh, really? So yeah, he's got loads of options and theoretically, I, I honestly think that he could go in and piss any of them. He could, you know, yeah. it, it, it's Max Verstappen we're talking about here. But yeah. does he, like, even when he's not really had superior machinery, he's, he was still fighting at the front. I mean, the Red Bull hasn't always been as good as it is now. And he's still been in the conversation for, for race wins above even Mercedes with how dominant that partnership used to be. But no, they, they clearly like they had to have seen something in him that translates through other drivers. And what I said about Pepe Marti, he could be the next one. Like Because surely Max Verstappen isn't the only driver in the world that has those exact qualities. Sure. Like, sure. Surely there's someone else coming up through the junior ranks. Yeah. And then you'll have them coming up being snapped up by the highest bidder mm-hmm. and thinking oh well hang on a minute we've actually got a competitor now and we've got someone who makes max look like the rest of the field mm-hmm. does that then mean that we don't need max anymore and we should try and get this guy? it'll be very fun but like like you said there's probably about five to six years of waiting for that to happen so i'm just going to sit back enjoy the ride yeah. while i still can um leclerc's little brother what is his name he's in f2 right now Arthur, right? yeah do you think he has a shot at joining f1 and i wanted to ask you for a while now has there ever been a a two brothers in the formula one grid at once he definitely could absolutely um i don't think there's ever been brothers i know that there have been a father and son duo who have both won a championship (laughs) in the past with with graham and damon hill um yeah but i don't actually think now that there have been two brothers on the on the same grid no that's that'd be very cool to see what team do you think he'd go to hmm uh, i i'd bet i would have bet um that sauber because they obviously are acting right now as alfa romeo sauber but alfa romeo next year going to to become the title sponsor of haas and leclerc has done some things with haas before so you never know. Charles Leclerc used to be the test driver for Haas in 2017 before mm-hmm. he joined Sauber. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? I, I would back that if Arthur Leclerc did join Formula One, he would go to Haas. And who knows? Maybe we see both Leclerc's become uh, become teammates. That that'll be a oh, that'll, give the, that'll give the commentators a bit of a ball, like, won't it? That would that would be a sensation for the sport. Just from a off goes the Haas of Leclerc, but which one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah wow yeah so what happens if the first three letters of somebody's name you know how they shorten it and the mm. what happens if the, there's two identical first three letters of names then yeah so then they do because i've seen this done in in formula three and formula two when they've both been like sort of the same what they do with charles leclerc they put c-l-e and with arthur they go a-l-e ah okay so it's like c leclerc a leclerc so they just I do see. that and that's a much easier way of just telling them apart even that though makes sense. and i don't know if you've ever heard them speak oh my god it is identical i know the brothers and they're like they're both like in the, from the same country and all that uh-huh. but holy sh- they sound identical same mannerisms they, and everything yeah they did wow. one like video together and it was like the multiverse has just collapsed like <laughs> two like sort of regens just touching together wow just a massive explosion. oh my it was so creepy yeah i i think that'd be cool to see i don't know if he you know i'm not claiming he deserves a spot or whatever but i know he's an f2 and he's doing he's doing quite well there right he's had some podiums i think so it's not outside the possibility that'd be pretty cool what haven't we touched on oh can we can i want to hear your opinion on that mercedes incident yeah (laughs) <laughs> I I think everybody came down really harsh on George, which I'm not saying it's not his fault, but I just think that there's more fault to be spread around. You know, it's, there's a lot of bread here to spread this fault butter on. Well, the the first thing I said was I wanted the 2016 car back, not the 2016 rivalry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they like- but they they were very polite about it. They, it didn't like you know yeah bring any sparks no. or anything. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that debriefing at the end because mm. I just wanted to know like what on earth was going on because George claimed he was on a flying lap 
but he backed right. off into Lewis. Like, and then Lewis saying that he backed off when he was alongside. I don't know. Yeah. I think Lewis may have been on the lap. I, did I Jordan really back off? Just... Or did yeah, he just kind of swerve I think he sort of lifted off, but he claimed he was on a lap, so I don't know why he would have done Yeah, he, he was, because he needed it. He wasn't set for the next round, whereas Hamilton was. Yeah. So the team and Hamilton both should have been thinking, okay, let's make sure George gets a good lap in. <laughs> Yeah, but like, Hamilton didn't have that much overspeed. Surely not, because he pulled alongside and you cannot gain near enough a car length in 50 meters. Sure. So, George so maybe... had to have lifted off the throttle, which is yeah. weird again because he was on a lap. So that I don't is know weird. what on earth. Yeah, I don't know what on earth that was all about. Do you think it was you don't think it was just a difference of Hamilton was right be right behind and got some a nice draft in and so that's how he caught up? Surely not. Like, no. I don't think that the slipstream's that powerful. And they have no. changed, obviously, they did change the final corner after like, 17 years of hell. Uh, and yeah. I, this is another thing I, I wanted to go through, actually. Yeah. Do you think that the the changes to the, the final corner, I think I know what the answer to this is going to be, but do you think the changes to the final section have actually improved the race? It seems to have. It seemed to be a good, a good change. I don't know. Well, what do you yeah. think? It, it, it definitely improves flow through the, the final corner on the F1 game as well, which um, Shameless Plug releases in four days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it was yeah, an absolute ball ache to drive. Yeah, you, you should, honestly. Um, <clears throat> no, but it, it was so, like, I can understand, uh, not quite from a driver's perspective, but, you know, it, it's definitely one of the most annoying pieces of track that exists anywhere. So it's, it's got that they've finally, you know, taken that out. And it also, you know, improves overtaking it to turn one because you're carrying more speed to that final sequence of corners. True. And you're like, you're taking turn 12, I think it is, or 11, whatever, uh, not like 10, 13, at about 120 miles an hour before speeding up and taking turn, like the final corner, at 160 minimum. Mm. So then, obviously, you're a lot quicker approaching the final straight. You have more speed carrying more. You mm -hmm. know, you, if you're a car following, then you'd have more speed with the slipstream and the drs sure. it would yeah. promote a lot more overtaking into into turn one so i could see why they did it it's about time they did it definitely improved the racing yeah i i think that um drivers that prefer or maybe i should say even more cars that are more well suited to more technical tracks suffered for it but um i think it was overall net good change but yeah but you know okay let's see should we do our uh awards yes we haven't done this in a while this is this is good yeah. we, we missed out on this forgot about time. yeah and i brought it back let's go. yes good nice. all right who's your driver of the weekend uh it's it's undisputed for me it's george russell like yeah. qualifying 12th yeah you know making an absolute Storm up the field, finishing third, holding off Perez as well in a far superior Red Bull, even with all the, the upgrades brought to Mercedes. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah, that's no the one, same. like, bar Max was as, as quick as him, to be fair, but Max obviously had a, a much easier job starting and finishing on pole, whereas George had to cut his way through more than half the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same for me. George wins this one. Radio message of the weekend. It's a double whammy for George Russell with his sweaty helmet. <laughs> yeah that was pouring rain in turn five and then his engineer just goes hang on a minute george you, you're sweating in your visor yeah. <laughs> that was fucking class yeah uh <laughs> yeah i was probably sweaty in there i, I when i was just starting go-karting my dad loves to tell a story that i um I came in from the track on a particularly hot, sweaty day and like, mm. you know, like salty sweat, just overcoming my eyebrows, breaching that barrier and getting right into my eyeballs. And I came in and I guess what I said after I was like blinking, trying to see, I was like, my eyebrows are broken. <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine that's probably similar. What was going on with George? My radio message of the weekend was um, Max. <laughs> it was in uh practice practice two but he he was just receiving some information i don't even know what but he heard uh helmet marco's phone going off and 
detected and, and knew whose whose phone that was. He was like, someone's phone is going off. Is that helmets? And it's just like, you know how like hyper aware drivers are on the track? Oh yeah. I'm sure lots of drivers could have detected that and figured that out, but it was just so funny. It's like, they're just picking up on every little detail. That's talent though, to know whose phone is ringing. I mean, I can't to imagine- To know whose, yeah. Like, yeah, I can't imagine he practically hangs off Dr. Marco, like to know yeah. what his phone sounds like. So that's, a, is that yeah. helmets phone ringing? That's, that's, that's talent right there. I, yeah. The way it was received, they were just like, you know, dot, 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 uh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, holy shit, this kid. It was like Rain Man. <laughs> mm. uh, disappointment of the weekend. I would go for McLaren, but we all expected uh, 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 not quite a similar result, but we never expected Lando to finish on the podium after starting there. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to go for Fernando Alonso, you know. The stars were all aligned. It was his. It would have been his 33rd race win on the the race where he set 33.3% of all races in F1 history completed oh. by him. He was in <laughs> garage and pit box number 33. It was oh all gosh. there. And he just, no, his, I don't know if the, the floor damage he suffered in qualifying had anything to do with it. Probably did because he ended up starting a lot further down than he would have liked and just, just couldn't build that back up in the race. So on account of the fact that McLaren did probably as we expected. Aston Martin didn't. They did worst. I'm going to go for Aston Martin and, and more specifically Fernando Alonso. Nice. All right. Well, I'll be the one to hand McLaren this disappointment of the weekend trophy because they need it from somewhere. <laughs> maybe maybe I shouldn't have had any hopes up. Maybe I got played just like they wanted, but uh, I, I got played. I was like, surely Lando will be able to hold on to points at least. No. And this one wasn't all McLaren's fault, you know? It's like, uh, the car wasn't where it needed to be, maybe. But I think that was kind of on Lando that he that he kind of went for that and wrecked his wing. So just all, all in all, disappointment for me at McLaren this past weekend. Hopefully, more to come in the future. 2025, I hear. More disappointment. I mean, more, more <laughs> less disappointment. <laughs> a lot less, and there will be a lot less. I um, I have high hopes for them. I really do. I think to have a proper, you know, victory hero journey, you have to start humble. So I'm gonna lay it on them thick now. That way, they look even better when they're oh, yeah. on the podiums later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I think we've gone through everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've covered pretty much everything we, we set out to, did we not? No, I think we're good. All right, this has been House Call Sports. You're joined by me, uh, Joel, and Ollie, the encyclopedia. And <laughs> catch us for the next race weekend wrap-up. It'll probably be... Well, we should catch back up and do these a little faster. So maybe we could do it. Maybe this would be a good opportunity for us to get back on it yeah uh so yeah catch us in the next episode mm -hmm. um i'll be taking this off my face ollie will be going and enjoying a match <laughs> all right bye everybody please leave a comment please leave a like we want to see who we're talking to bye, -bye. <laughs>